What is happening, everyone? Welcome again to The Window, Canada sports betting podcast. Ahead on today's episode of The Window, our first look at the lines and leans for week 15 in the NFL. What numbers should we look to grab now? What numbers can we wait on for later? Is there anything that looks too good to be true? That plus a little bit more on Monday night's Bad Beat Fest. The underrated cause of Cleveland plus three tickets getting sent to the trash. Finally, how to handle some of our lingering season-long player props from Derrick Henry to the Packers duo of Rodgers and Adams. What we need to happen and why it's best to secure profits where you can. It's time to head to the window. Let's go! Welcome to The Window. I'm your host, Matt Russell, and what a weird 24 hours it's been. Um, Obviously, yesterday's episode, you know, talking a ton uh, about that bad beat, the Kareem Hunt prop beat based on really just a ridiculous scoring quirk in the NFL. Got a lot of reaction to it. It was featured on a numbers game. Talked about that a little bit yesterday um, on VSIN with Gil Alexander. He was all over it. Check that clip out on the Twitter at uh, MRussAuthentic. You can go down my timeline and find that uh, three, four minute clip uh, that he breaks down uh, talking about, uh, ab- about that beat and about my tweet um, about that beat. Uh, and, you know, that leads to a bunch of people sort of tweeting me uh, with their condolences. <laughs> it's kind of, you know, the fun thing about this. And if we could suffer all the bad beats that we do, which, you know, we talk about it all the time. Like, we suffer more bad beats on this show from these picks because we're on the right side more often than not. And we don't get the lucky winners because we don't usually need them in when we win, right? So, like, you know, you go through any subset of our selection, you go through the entire <laughs> the entire slate of the NFL this season, and you can go down the wins and be like, wow, there's like two, maybe three really lucky ones here. And then you go through the losses, and there's four or five times that that are legitimate bad beats, right? We obviously have a couple, uh, you know, two or three weeks ago that we've talked a ton about. So, you know, if that if every time that happened, you were sort of singled out and people were giving you, you know, their condolences, they'd be a lot easier to take because, you know, in a lot of cases, we're all sort of suffering these bad beats together. And that's kind of one of the points of this podcast that we do sort of experience all this stuff together. We obviously want to make money. We want to do well at betting sports. But, you know, sometimes it doesn't work out. And that's what we're here for to whether, you know, it's the ridiculous backdoor situation from Sunday where we can come on here on Monday and just rail about it for, you know, half an hour and then just sort of washes away, right? Or in this case where I was kind of the only one that had this bet because it's a 125 to 1 bet that's not offered on every website and all of that sort of thing, right? So it does involve a little description and it does sort of involve some uniqueness. So uh, thank you to everybody who tweeted and, and DM'd, um, got some really, really nice uh, tweets from people. Um, and and it's not it's not necessary necessarily, but it certainly helps. And you know, listen, we didn't lose a ton of money on it. It was a hundred and twenty-five to one shot. It's not like I had a thousand dollars, a hundred dollars on it. It wasn't very much at all, right? It was more losing the bet 
from a financial standpoint, like what did we not gain by it at 125 to one? So, you know, if I had to spend a, you know, a few bucks on, um, you know, uniting the, the group here or sort of maybe getting a few more people to listen in, you know, that's sort of worth it as well. So hopefully you're, you know, catching this podcast. Well, listen, hopefully you've been catching this podcast for months now because we've been crushing it ever since, you know, the hockey bubble. But if you're not and you're just sort of catching up now, um, you know, we have a ton of good episodes that had, you know, that are sort of more evergreen episodes that you can go back and check out. We're going to actually do a best of later this month here when I'm going to take some time off uh, at the end of the season. Uh, so, you know, dig in and check those out. We'll sort of make a point to point those out uh, a little bit later on in uh, in the month. So thanks to everybody for that and uh, saying really nice things about the show, right? It wasn't just necessarily uh, all about the, you know, condolences necessarily, but just sort of mentioning that they enjoy the show and that was sort of an opportunity for them to reach out and all of that kind of thing. Um, love hearing that and it's super, super fun. So um, one thing that we didn't really get to break down because it was, you know, a little more self-serving than normal yesterday, if this entire thing isn't, you know, completely self-serving in general, uh, we didn't really break down the Cleveland plus three bad beat. And I'm sure, you know, if you listen to this podcast and you listen to Sheldon and I talk and maybe, you you know, we're with us on Cleveland plus three on Monday and you're sitting there, you know, looking to tune in and hear us complain about that. And you didn't get that because we had, we had bigger fish to fry there with the Kareem Hunt stuff. Um, but by now, listen, it's, you know, 36, 48 hours later, there's not all that much more that can really be added, you know, especially if you, again, I always recommend consume other content, sports betting or otherwise, you probably already do. I don't need to sort of encourage you to do that. All I encourage you to do is hang out uh, here, you know, um, every once in a while. And so um, the one thing that people haven't really been talking about when you, you know, when you talk bad beat, right, it's got to be you know, you have to be on the right side and then not win. And then you also have to have like somewhere between four to, you know, infinity things go completely wrong for you in somewhat of a fluky way at times too. And one of the things that not a lot of people are necessarily talking about is the Trace McSorley injury element to all of this stuff, right? Like obviously they're talking about it within the context of Lamar Jackson, Superman cape, he's got the cramps or whatever he had. And then all of a sudden like he's back in and he saves the day and he throws the touchdown pass to Hollywood Brown. But you wonder, and the only thing I sort of want to mention is like you wonder what happens if Trace McSorley doesn't get hurt on that play. And he looks like he's going to be okay. I mean, you know, I think he's out for the rest of the season because it's a knee strain. Um, and there's, listen, there's only three games left. And so you put somebody on IR and you, you know, obviously you need a backup quarterback. You can't have a guy sort of questionable as your backup quarterback. And so, you know, it's not like he blew out his knee necessarily. So relatively minor injury on the whole scope of things. So we can sort of talk about this comfortably, but like, what if he doesn't get hurt on that third down play and it's a fourth down like does he stay out there or is because he's hurt does Lamar Jackson get back in there and it's also right on the two minute warning and it's all you know because it's a run play he slips and falls what if he slips and falls and it's an incomplete pass or you know he throws the ball and it's an incomplete pass and stops the clock before the two minute warning and they have to run a play right then and there right like the confluence of things that had to happen for Jackson to get back in the game like I just don't think I'm just not positive that they bring in Lamar there on that fourth down because he did seem sort of 
hustled, right? Like he did seem hurried to get back onto the field. Now, of course, he's going to be here hurried to be get back on the field because he's just been getting treated for, you know, whatever ailment he had. But you do sort of go, man, Trace McSorley on that fourth down, that would have been interesting. What if Trace McSorley doesn't slip and he gets the first down and the drive keeps going? Do you take him out? And you have to remember, like, on that drive, they're down one. So a field goal is good enough. And once you get past that two-minute warning, you can really just kind of hand the ball off. It's not like Lamar was throwing the ball a ton prior to that anyway. And so McSorley could have stayed in, and they could have just hammered away with Dobbins. They could have hammered away with Edwards, etc. And taken off, you know, the clock and wind that down for a Justin Tucker, you know, 45-yard field goal or whatever, you know, it was going to end up being. And it was because he slips, falls, gets injured. Lamar hurries on. There's a two-minute warning, so, you know, that buys everybody some time. And Lamar comes in, and he throws the touchdown, and that's what leads to all the other chaos. Like, it could have been a very sort of normal finish to the game, with the exception of Trace McSorley's general involvement. But, like, if he gets that first down, and they just run the clock out and kick the field goal, like, none of all of the other insanity happens. The Kareem Hunt stuff never happens. Um, and of course, like, you know, obviously the Ravens win by two and maybe even right. Like maybe if they get stopped and there's still time left on the clock, you know, maybe the Browns end up getting a field goal. Maybe they end up winning and it doesn't turn into this like touchdown fest because it only became that sort of dramatic touchdown fest when, you know, Lamar comes back and hits and hits Hollywood Brown, San Clemente Brown for, um, for the touchdown to go up, you know, five and then of course subsequently seven on the two-point conversion then Cleveland comes back the other way and now you know now we're getting off of off of the key number or getting back on the key number I really should say because the point is is that you know part of the bad beats or part of betting a plus three here is the first thing that you want to happen and I don't mean first thing as in literally the first thing in the game but like the main thing that you want to happen the top priority when you're betting a plus three is when you're watching that game and you have no control over it just from a viewing standpoint you want that game off of key numbers, right? You want it off of a seven-point lead. You want it off of a three-point lead, of course. You want it off of a tie game, right? Like, you want that game to be a one-point game because then you go, you know, two, you know, one team can win by two. One can, team can win by one, right? And it ceases to sort of matter uh, who wins at that point. You're going to cover either way on these field goals. And so we had that with you know, the one point lead with two minutes to go. And that's part of what makes it the bad beat. So the key to the bad beat that not a ton of people are necessarily talking about is the fact that the touchdown happened there for Baltimore that got, and of course the two point conversion that got it to seven. And then of course, Cleveland didn't go for two at the end, which, you know, maybe they should have, obviously they should have taken more time off the clock and all of that general sort of football who wins the game type stuff has been talked about ad nauseum. But again, like we had it off of the key number so that Baltimore could have won by one or two points, you know, two points, you know, specifically that that's the key for when you're betting a plus three, because otherwise you just might as well bet a money line or you're betting plus three as the backup plan, right? Like if it goes once, you know, it looked like it might go to overtime. When it goes to overtime, you're now going like, well, we just need to win this game. Yes, we have plus three as the backup plan for, you know, a tie, you know, a push essentially, but we want to end this thing in regulation with, on one or two. And again, if McSorley's in there and they get just one first down and can just sort of run the ball for the next three plays, uh, you know, I, we all, the plus three gets out of there uh, with a win, I think, um, relatively easily and without any, ad, you know, adventures, if you will.
Um, so let's dig into the games here. We ought to, uh, we put this off a day just because of everything that happened yesterday. And so the first thing we got to talk about Thursday Night Football, I'm going to talk about obviously at length tomorrow. But let's just put it this way early on, right? Vegas minus three and a half right now. There's absolutely no way in hell Las Vegas should be favored by three and a half points. Now, what does that mean? That means you have to bet Anthony Lynn, or at least the only option is to bet Anthony Lynn. And of course, that's no fun. And nothing that happened on Sunday even though they won that game in quote-unquote clutch fashion, would lend, you know, lend yourself to believe that, you know, Anthony, betting on Anthony Lynn is all of a sudden really fun and really something that you absolutely want to do, right? Because the reason they won that game is, again, the talent on the field, and that's why they can't be three-and-a-half-point underdogs. So stop what you're doing right now, grab that three-and-a-half, because it's certainly not going to four, and there's a better chance that it goes back to three here as we get to 36 to 24 hours um, before kickoff in that one. So immediately do that, we'll talk more at length. But like, the point is, is like the talent on the field is what gave the Chargers that victory. I talked about the Herbert throw for the touchdown, the throw to set up the field goal, incredible. All reasons why like we feel terrible for Justin Herbert being, uh, you know, forced into having to deal with Anthony Lynn and really more Shane Steichen, the offensive coordinator who is probably the worst coordinator in the entire league. Uh, but moreover, like the Matt Ryan interceptions, like, okay, we love blaming Matt Ryan. You know, I've been calling him Matty Iceberg for the last five years. And, but you watch was Jaleel Adai, I believe, make that diving interception. You go like right there, like that's the talent. Like that's the talent discrepancy that the Chargers have over a lot of these teams. Like that's what we're betting on. Players making plays out there and not being handcuffed by their stupid coaching. And so the thing is, it's like, this is another opportunity here with a relatively closer coaching matchup for Anthony Lynn. So we're grabbing the charges here, plus three and a half more about that, of course, tomorrow. As for Saturday's games, doubleheader Saturday, it's that time of year, the most wonderful time of the year. We're getting two games on a Saturday with all of the good college football stuff that, of course, we'll talk about as well on Thursday. Buffalo and the Denver Broncos here. I think this one is, I mean, this has to be Denver or nothing but you have to get seven. And the problem is this isn't sort of a push it all in. And the reason why we're you know getting seven here is the Broncos lose yet another cornerback. And it started to like pile up against Carolina for whatever reason. It didn't pile up early on in that game last week, which again is a game that I completely left off my discussion with Sheldon Alexander, which was kind of funny considering it was a best bet, not intentional in that we lost because I really think we deserve better in that game. But again, now that time's gone by, it's not like you're sitting there going, you know what, I'd really like a breakdown of uh, of Broncos Panthers. We didn't get deep enough uh, or at all in that game on Monday. Really missed out. It's like you probably didn't notice that I didn't talk about Denver and Carolina. It's just accidentally skipped right over it in the notes. It happens. Uh, that being said, they lost their fourth cornerback here they are down their top four cornerbacks and that doesn't feel like a thing you really want to have to deal with going up against buffalo you know obviously the josh allen hype is you know right up you know through the roof at this point you know they potentially may get john brown back so now you're looking at you know between a three and four wide receiver attack just thinning out who you've got from a cornerback standpoint that being said right like again denver is more about the sum of the parts here 
when it comes to the defense, right? Like that's the thing that we're relying on to sort of do the bend but don't break thing, force a lot of field goals potentially in the same way that they did against Kansas City a couple of weeks ago. And by the way, they didn't really have much in the way of DBs anyway going up against that fleet of wide receivers. So, you know, obviously the concerning thing is that you know, thinness of the cornerback position for Denver. Still okay at safety, though. That's the one thing you sort of have to remind yourself when we're talking about potentially throwing deep. Um, we'll, you know, break down sort of the weather situation on Friday because, of course, that's, you know, a big deal when it comes to Buffalo. So no, you know, no need to, like, sprint out there and bet that right now because all of the money is, of course, coming in on Buffalo for all the obvious reasons. Uh, later in the night, Carolina and Green Bay. This is one where I'm going to be on Carolina. Now, I wish Chris, you know, Christian McCaffrey was playing, doesn't seem to be the case, but again, we wouldn't be getting this line if it looked like he was. We're going to keep an eye on DJ Moore as, uh, you know, his health and the whole COVID situation. Um, you know, is he off the list? You know, is his ankle completely fine? We thought that, you know, it looked like it was going to be okay and he just couldn't get off the COVID list. He had a bunch of teammates get off the list last week to play. So you wonder, like, does he actually have it, et cetera, et cetera. These are the types of things that we have to watch. It's not like a bunch of Carolina money is going to come in and force this thing down to seven where it's going to, you know, cease to be valuable. Uh, you know, even at eight, I think I'm still playing this, especially if we get good news from a Carolina standpoint. So nine, you know, the number that it is right now, you know, you could bet that right now. There's a decent chance it goes to 10 the way that people love the Green Bay Packers, which we completely understand. Um, Chicago and Minnesota here. This one still on the fence on it. Uh, line is at three, but heavily juiced. So it looks like three and a half might end up being sort of the prevailing number here. Um, we're going to have to have a long talk about this probably on Friday about what where the sort of value is on a game that had a line that was a little bit higher than this. But what have we been seeing from Chicago lately to make them a little bit more appealing? Uh, Detroit and Tennessee, Tennessee, 10 and a half point favorites here. Funny that the Lions haven't, you know, have had these weeks where Stafford was questionable and the Lions haven't, you know, didn't go up until Saturday, even I think in one case, maybe even Sunday morning. And in this case, they're like, nope, we're putting it up. We're putting it up at 10.5. Now, 10.5 is obviously the line of a Matt Stafford's not going to play situation. So I think if you're sitting there worried, is Matt Stafford going to play? Is he not going to play? I think the answer is no, right? I think the, the fact that there is a line in a, you know, with a team that we've seen multiple times this season, very recently, not have a lineup during the week because of Matt Stafford's injury potential in this case, right? A high number, this prot line probably is closer to seven uh, if Stafford is uh, is in the lineup. So at 10 and a half, obviously he isn't. And at that point, it just kind of becomes, what do you think of Chase Daniel and the supporting pieces of the Detroit Lions? Houston and the Indianapolis Colts here. This one opened a little higher than I thought it was going to based on the fact that, what, a couple of weeks ago, we were down to our last possession there with Houston driving for, you know, frankly, what should have been the game-winning touchdown until the unfortunate snap situation. So this line opens minus seven. I sort of had this a closer to six. Um, but then you start looking around the bet percentages and it looks like everybody's all aboard the Colts train. And I don't know that I can necessarily blame them for that in this one because Houston, it just starts to, you know, it's now, you know, I talked about it last week in loving the Bears as much as we did. This thing has fallen off here. Um, you know, the wheels have fallen off here for Houston. So I could potentially see this being a massive blowout, but I don't know that there's any need to rush to bet this at minus seven. If you like the Colts in this one, um, obviously with the Colts, so many key players 
And I don't want to just sort of say like, oh, they have more key players than anybody else in the league, but they really do have a ton of different guys who make that much of a difference, right? Whether it's T.Y. Hilton on offense or whether it was a handful of defensive guys, you know, they've had times without Darius Leonard. They've had times with, uh, you know, various guys, frankly, on the defensive line, of course, DeForest Buckner being the most obvious, um, where, you know, if those guys just happen to be out and listen, 2020, COVID-19, all of that sort of thing, there's not really a ton of motivation here to be betting a lot of these games early on in the week because you just kind of don't know what's going to happen and you don't want to get stuck on the side of a team that maybe doesn't have any quarterbacks that day. Something along those lines. Jacksonville and Baltimore here. Baltimore, 13-point favorites. And listen, I get it. Jacksonville got smoked last week, but I mean, a lot of that was just turn the ball, turn and hand the ball off to Derrick Henry and nobody on that team wanting anything to do with that. Now, we talked last week about Dallas not wanting anything to do with the three-headed monster of the Ravens, just pounding them in the face all day. But uh, this Ravens defense, I just, you know, if we're asking them to cover 13 points, like I just don't see it. I just don't want to trust them to do that. It's just a shadow of their former selves here. So I'm definitely leaning to Jacksonville. Um, we're gonna have to see again throughout the week. You know what do we have from a health standpoint on either side? Looks like Gardner Minshew starting for Jacksonville in that one. Uh, New England and Miami here. This one's got red flag written all over, and this is the same. I mean, it's essentially the same thing as what every Patriots game this season on either side, right? Whether it was Houston and all the Patriots are definitely gonna beat Houston, or it's Baltimore and like all the Patriots have no chance against Baltimore and like. Every single week, there's some. You're either lining up to bet the Patriots. We saw a two to you know two and a half point move last Thursday in LA. A very good Rams team, and people are just throwing money at the Patriots. We came in, we scooped up that minus four, minus four and a half, minus five, all over all of that stuff, taking advantage of that line move. And so you go this week, and why wouldn't you love the Miami Dolphins? My first inclination was, yeah, Dolphins, sure. Like, what's that line going to be, five, six? And you look at it, and it's three. And you're like, whoa. I'm all like, I feel like I'm all about the Dolphins. Am I not? And then you wait a day or so, and it's down to two and a half. You're like, oh my God, Dolphins under a field goal? Like, why wouldn't I be all about that? Well, yeah, I mean, that's a concern that then, first of all, that the number went from three to two and a half off of no real information here. So we're going to have to kind of keep an eye out for this one, I think. I don't think this is as simple as jump on the Dolphins here. I don't know that this is like we need to bet the Patriots here, but again, a little extra time. Uh, you know, obviously Belichick against a rookie quarterback. Like you have a very, you know, a various amount of things here. You know, Mike Gesicki, like obviously a key guy, uh, you know, for the Dolphins. They lost two wide receivers last week, right? Jakeem Grant and Defonte Parker. And so it sort of becomes a little more decrepit here, right? And what are you going to get from the Patriots? Well, you're going to get a lot of running the football. What do the Dolphins like to do? Well, defensively, it's not run the football, uh, face the run. So, you know, I can now, now that you sort of think about it for a second, beyond just kind of looking at it from a big picture, like these two teams, blah, 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 stand, you know, power rating standpoint, you go matchups and health, and rest and all of that kind of thing. And listen, Dolphins, full credit to them for coming back there, no matter how potentially flag-aided it was. Um, you know, give them credit for coming back, especially without those wide receivers. But it was a 30-10 to 10 game, even after winning the turnover battle by like 
four, essentially. If again, I factor that 32 yard sack in as a turnover. All right, so you factor four turnovers essentially, and you go, you still probably should have got blown out. So like, what are we really running to the window here to bet the Dolphins for? Uh, Seahawks and the Washington football team, this number was at six, down five, five, you five you know, five and a half down to five. And of course, some question marks about whether Alex Smith is playing. And I think they put that number as high as it was earlier on in the week on the idea that maybe he's not, or at least he's not 100%. Now, I mean, listen, there, there's a lineup for this, right? So there's the anticipation here that Alex Smith is going to play because if Dwayne Haskins, based on the fact that Washington did not score an offensive touchdown last week, this number has to be higher if it's Dwayne Haskins. Like for all the credit to the Washington football team defense, the number has to be higher if it's Dwayne Haskins. That being said, we got to make sure we know who the quarterback is before we do anything with regards to this game, a game that on the surface I don't really necessarily love at all. San Francisco and the Dallas Cowboys, interesting line for me here because, you know, San Francisco minus three. I feel like this game, you know, I don't know how this isn't really closer to pick them. Both these teams sort of in a you know decrepit state, if you will. Dallas, you know, we were all over Dallas getting the big win against Cincinnati, but I'll be honest with you, and this is just a secret between me and you. I didn't love, I didn't love the way the Dallas played in that game. I said I was a way more about, and listen, part of the handicap was because since he's the worst team in the NFL right now, and that's part of it, and that's what they did, right? They worst teamed it to Dallas, right? Fumble, fumble, you know, marching their way down a couple of different times. But they didn't really, you know, it wasn't an explosive offense. There wasn't any big plays from an offensive standpoint from the Cowboys. And if you can't do that against Cincinnati, I don't know that you're necessarily going to do that against San Francisco. And sort of as bad as it looked last week for San Francisco, it's not like Washington scored on offense, and I don't know that you're going to get the same success from the Dallas defense that you do from the Washington defense. So San Francisco minus three here on the road, you know, seems high, but like I don't really want to be on, involved in the Dallas offense if that's all I'm getting from them against Cincinnati. And it's again, it's not like the defense is any good either. Tampa Bay and the Atlanta Falcons here. Again, like this is so painful, but it's like, I think Atlanta has to be the right side here at plus six. We're going to, again, wait and see all of that kind of stuff here. But like Tampa just could, you know, I think is consistently overrated. And maybe they get all the calls like they did last week. And maybe Young Hoku gets sort of, you know, Dan Bailey-esque and he's missing all of the kicks. And that's how Tampa covers this game. But otherwise, like, I think this has got to be a pretty close game and not a particularly high scoring one because I have Tampa Bay you know, listen, they're not as bad as Atlanta, and Atlanta will find ways to bleep this game up late in the game. I completely understand all of, you know, the bugaboos that are the Falcons here. But again, the Falcons' defense just good enough to keep this, you know, Tampa Bay team to, like, 20 points. And if it's tw and if they only get 20 points, like, I really like having plus six. Maybe this goes up to six and a half because of people's enjoyment of betting on the Buccaneers for whatever, you know, reason they keep doing it. Maybe because they know that they're going to get all the calls uh, in these games. Uh, Jets and the Rams here. This thing's 17-point favorite LA Rams. This is obviously stemming off of the beatdown that the Jets took against the Seahawks last week. That game shot up to minus 17. The books here are just like, well, we've seen what we needed to see. Let's just start it at 17 and go from there. And if people are looking to bet the Jets, they're welcome to do so. You look at this and you go, outside of the Raiders game, where they scored, you know, 20 to 30 points, 
The Jets are just putting up three-point games here, left, right, and center, right? Shut out once, three, you know, two of the last three games, you know, they scored three points in. So part of it is, like, what do the Rams really need to do offensively to cover this number? It might not be all that much. Jets actually getting their field goal kicker back, Sam Ficken. That has to be good news, considering, you know, Sergio Castillo, probably the worst field goal kicker not named Dan Bailey uh, in the league, goes and he misses three field goals in the first half. Now, you know, shout out to Adam Gase, or just keep hammering out those field goals, buddy. Like, you're going to get there with your, you know, four field goal attempts. But point is, they did have four field goal attempts, meaning they did get the ball in scoring range four different times in that game in the first half. And so, you know, you obviously know my instinct is to immediately sort of lean plus 17 here. This Jets team was plus, what, 19 to Kansas City, 17 to the Seattle team off of a loss. 17 does feel still a little bit high for me. So I get, you know, again, I'm not running again to the window. Pardon the pun. Not doing that to like dying to bet the Jets here. But I just don't really know how you you roll with again another relatively conservative team here with the Rams who if they're up 13 points late in the game right we've seen it we saw it last week they weren't necessarily blowing out the Patriots they just knew that the Patriots weren't going to score and they just kind of phoned in the rest of that game Philly and Arizona here Arizona minus six I again People love betting the Cardinals, and they're more than welcome to do it. For me, I'm, I've am i got a strong lean here to Philadelphia plus six. I know the offense pretty simplified here with Jalen Hurts, but we talked about it with Sheldon on Monday. That's all it might need to be here for an Eagles team that does have some players, especially on the defensive side, but certainly on the offensive side as well. And again, running the football against the Cardinals is what you've got to do here. This one has a little upsetty special written all over it. Kansas City and... <laughs> New Orleans Saints, Kansas City minus three, right? Just just waving people in like a third base coach to bet on the Kansas City Chiefs. Just come on, folks. Come on. Yeah, go. Three points. That's nothing. It's the team that lost to Philly last week. Come on in, everybody. Sure. Absolutely. Three and a half? No way. Let's go three. Let's drop it right down. You go, What? Against this Saints team that, again, I don't love. I've never lo- I haven't loved them all season, right? And it was a colossal mistake to not fade them last week in a rough week in general. And so you look at this line and you go, like, how is this not the, you know, we talk about it on Thursday with Sheldon over on the On Blast Podcast Network. How is this not the sucker bet of the week, right? Throw the apple up. Throw the alarm. You know, this has to be the sucker bet of the week. Now, I don't know how the Saints are necessarily going to do it. I mean, I guess I do, right? Two-headed approach here running the football, um, obviously, the defense plays well. They turn Mahomes over, who now maybe has a little turnover worries, potentially. Obviously, a high-quality secondary that can hang in, disrupt this offense, right? And maybe it turns into that game where it's just like Mahomes, you know, zips a ball, and it's like, oh, deflected, and, you know, third down, and, you know, fourth down. and It's like, oh, this Kansas City Chiefs offense can't get it together. And, you know, they just sort of look, you know, just sort of look out of whack. And you get a focused team here with the Saints coming off of that loss, right? Tighten a few things up here. You're going to run the ball, take some hill a ton, take some time off the clock. Let's keep this, you know, relatively low scoring. And again, as much as the Chiefs were up 30 to 10, one of those was a punt return. So it's really only 23 points, handful of turnovers. This is a team that, again, it's not like they've played consistently well for four quarters. And if they only bring a two-quarter effort here and think they're going to beat the Saints, I think they're 
in for some trouble here. And again, I think that line indicates that. And remember, the line was three and a half at Tampa Bay. And even with Taysom Hill, I think the Saints team has a lot more going for it right now than the broken Tampa Bay Buccaneers and their broken offense and their frankly not that good over the last few weeks anyway, defense. So that's why it's three, right? Because it has to be a little bit lower than it was against Tampa Bay, even though that was a blowout turned into mega backdoor cover uh, for the home team. Cleveland and the New York Giants here. And this is, we got we got a buy low, sell high alert here. Sunday nighter too, which is like, I mean, you know, where have you been all season long? Oh wait, you've been in this exact same spot all season long where everybody loves one side, right? And in this case, it's Cleveland. You had all of the doubters, right? People just dying to bet the Ravens. Push it from Ravens minus one to Ravens minus three. And if like you were one of those people, congrats on the win. But of course you're sitting there as the recipient of, you know, one of the bad wins of this season, if not the baddest of the wins. So like, yeah, you cash the money and that's awesome for you, but like, you can't be that thrilled with this Ravens team. And the Browns are the team that sort of came out of that where people were like, the Browns are legit. Like, it's like the Raiders from a couple of weeks ago against the Chiefs, like in a losing cause, like they get all of this credit. And they still lost the game and they still showed some pretty massive holes, especially defensively. And now they go on the road to a Giants team that now, you know, were the flavor of the week. Literally, the you know, suckered us all in. Perfect matchup for me to get dragged into the Giants there, going up against the Cardinals, a team that we've been fading all season long, basically. And, you know, we get suckered into that. And the Giants drag Daniel Jones out there with his bum hamstring. And they don't let him run. And they just let him get sacked, basically, for three hours. And it looks awful. But that's just one game, right? Never as bad as it looks in one game. Like, I don't think the Giants are just automatically back to Jets level poorness. And so now they're back, you know, they're still at home here. I mean, does Daniel Jones, is he rested? Is he going to be 100% with this hamstring? All of this stuff is what we have to monitor over the next couple of days. Is Colt McCoy going to be in the mix here? Former Brown, by the way. I know 100 years ago, it feels like, but it's true. And you're getting four points. You know, this is still a Giants team. Hung in there with the Bucks, beat the Seahawks. Like, all of these sort of really competitive efforts that just didn't add up to, you know, anything last week. But again, that's just one game. And so you've got the highs here of Cleveland, right? Coming, you know, a little bit of a bummer coming off that loss. Short week, going on the road. You know, Sunday night game to the Giants here, who are still, again, everybody into the pool here. They are still competing for the NFC East title. So this is this has, you know, written all over it. Absolute trouble here. But we're going to wait, right? We're going to wait to see the money come in here. F- four points, that's nothing. Like, they, you know, Browns are back. They're good, blah, blah, blah. I like to think the Giants defense right now, the Giants defense is better than the Ravens defense is and is going to cause more problems for Baker Mayfield. And once that happens, kind of anything is possible here. We're going to be on the Giants on Sunday night. To what degree, we'll have to see. Uh, Pittsburgh and Cincinnati. This isn't one where we're going to get fancy here, right? We're not going to get all that tricky. Um, And you might as well sort of bet it now. If you can get a minus 12 and a half, I think that's good. Um, I don't think that the Steelers are particularly good, but I don't think that they have to be in this one. I don't think it matters that they're going on the road, right? We saw them trounce the Bengals with Joe Burrow. And Brandon Allen, the last two games, one, not very good. Two, didn't survive, didn't make it to the end of the games, right? Ryan Finley, in both cases, had to come in because 
Brandon Allen's just hobbling around by the end of the game. Like, it's a miracle that Joe Burrow lasted as long as he did. And just because Joe Burrow's out doesn't mean all of a sudden the Cincinnati offensive line is like good or that the next guy isn't going to be murdered at some point this season and it looks like Brandon Allen's just a matter of time for him and Ryan Finley is atrocious it's the reason why that Brandon Allen is starting for the Bengals because they know it as well but they're not just going to grab a guy off the street right they're not going to grab Ben DiNucci ask him to play quarterback though how hilarious would that be if they had got to a point where Ben DiNucci is now getting his second start of the season and it's with a completely different team that especially if this was you know a primetime you know if he was in for this game in a primetime game that'd be amazing but point is is like it's not like they're starting or have to use ryan finley out of choice it's not even really like they want to be using of course they don't want to be using brandon allen either but it's not like they really uh, expected him to necessarily play at all either because ryan finley was even the backup quarterback for the day that joe burrow got hurt all of this is to say how does cincinnati score in this game right against the dallas cowboys defense then again i promise you still not very good right serviceable can match up in certain situations you know with time to prepare all of that kind of thing but they're still not very good and you know like they still held the Bengals to seven points. And so, you know, what, you know, what are the Bengals going to do against the Steelers defense that again, not as good as when they're fully healthy, but like, what's it going to take here for Pittsburgh to cover 12 and a half, for example, 20 points, like Cincinnati seven points really, like really does kind of feel like a little bit generous. Like it kind of feels like more like maybe two field goals. I mean, obviously game script and that sort of thing, you know, are involved and, you know, are they going to fumble two balls right away? I mean, the answer to that's maybe two, because if you're playing, you know, one of those was a backup running back who doesn't get to play that much. And when you don't get to play that much, you have a tendency to fumble. So you sort of, that's part of the reason that Cincinnati sucks, right? It's all of the backups that they're playing. Like try to name me more than two guys on their defense right now that are healthy. Right, Geno Atkins, gone on IR here this past week. Just another name guy, one of the few that were left that were maybe holding up from a run defense standpoint. Now we know Pittsburgh doesn't run all that much and you know might not be that much of an issue. But we know we've seen them already move the ball on Cincinnati offensively, even with their sort of weak passing game, right? Their short little passing game that they do. So at minus 12 and a half here, I think that's definitely a bet because I think you know, like a lot of Monday nighters, you're only going to see this go higher on the favorite here. This probably gets to 14 at some point. Um, and while I still think that might still get there, we obviously want to get the best number that we absolutely can. So whether we use that as part of one of our best bets here, of course, that's going to be determined. We do that on Sunday. Uh, put the podcast out between 11.30 and 12 with the Circa picks here. Uh, we moved up slightly three and two again this week so we move up to tied for 82nd technically a half point one half point out of the cash but that cash is like a billion people tied for 48 so really one point out of the main cash which is where we've sort of stood here for the last three weeks uh, again you're gonna hear this now you're gonna hear this later uh the aaron jones run and the anthony lynn debacle in buffalo right the two bad beats that how if they flip that we move up two full points now we're into the top 20 to top 25 type of range you know that's going to end up costing us a fair amount uh at some point this season but we battle on here 15 games left to go so that's what we do on uh sunday right to put out the survivor pick as well friday the big nfl show where we break all these games down in you know five to ten minutes each of them um and then of course tomorrow last 
I'm not even gonna say full slate of college football because we're losing games left, right, and center, but a bunch of championship games, right? Conference championship games in college football. We're gonna talk about those tomorrow, along with, of course, a little bit deeper breakdown of the Thursday night football game. Do we have a little props, some more props? Do we find another 125 to one to take a shot at? I don't know that that will ever even really be a thing. That's the other problem with that, right? Is when you put something like Kareem Hunt 125 to one to lead the game in receiving yards, and it almost happens, and it almost does so in sort of a public-y way. And I don't know that we're ever getting something like that. Um, but there's more than enough opportunities there in the 30 to 40 range every week on some random uh, random guys there. Um, one last thing. Uh, well, it's technically two last things, right? So I talked about the schedule for the rest of this week. Next week's schedule, Christmas. A little bit up in the air, right? So we're going to have the regular Monday show with Sheldon Alexander. Uh, likely to have a Tuesday show. Don't know what the content's necessarily going to be. Have some high hopes. Have some sort of regular hopes um, for that show. Wednesday, going to have a guest. Going to get. It's going to be a little bit more of an evergreen episode. So Wednesday show. You, Wednesday show. You're not going to have to necessarily listen to it on Wednesday. It'll be something that you can listen to at your leisure over the course of the holidays. We're going to have a couple of those that aren't necessarily must listen to's uh, in a short period of time, but really sort of over the couple of weeks that you may or may not have off over the holidays that you can listen to there. And of course, we're going to have to squeeze in. We're probably not going to do a technical, you know, first look of the NFL next week. It'll probably be sort of a more all-encompassing podcast that's probably going to be you know, Christmas Eve, Thursday morning, something along those lines. We'll be back on Sunday for the Circa episode on what is the 27th. So, you know, a little bit of a messed up situation. We're going to try to find some days off for your boy here to spend some time with the family and all of that good stuff. Um, but we're still coming up with some content uh, for you guys as well. And listen, you know, just because the holidays doesn't mean the NFL season stops, uh, college football bowl season, all of that kind of stuff cranking in there as well. And then all of a sudden it'll be New Year's and we'll have a whole new fresh um, situation, right, with NFL playoffs. Uh, NBA will be sort of full go. I don't know necessarily how much content we're going to have about, on that. Uh, and then hockey season around the corner, shortened hockey season. I don't know, right? Like 50 units in the bubble. How do we not get into regular season hockey this year with that shortened season? Like the 82-game schedule, kind of long, right? But... If we've got sort of a similar situation here where maybe we even just focus on, you know, listen, we're here in Canada. Maybe I just focus on the Canadian division, if you will, right? Because they're only playing teams in within that division. So it's a very strange season where you could almost just cut it into one specific division if you wanted to and just play that all the time and not have to worry about the volume of games. But the shortened season certainly helps with personally my level of interest. And then finally, just wanted to get, you know, do one last thing here relatively quickly because, again, we're busy for the next couple of weeks and we're not going to kind of be able to step back and kind of talk about some of this other stuff. But player prop markets in the NFL here, we've got a handful that, again, if you've been in from the start this season, you know, maybe there's some bets here that you're maybe wondering about, right? And so we start with Derrick Henry to win the rushing title. Seems pretty clear that he is going to do that. And so we were on him at plus 650 to start the season, talked about how let's not get sort of, you know, confused here with, you know, oh, long shot running backs and that sort of thing. Like it's, you know, Derrick Henry and, you know, Nick Chubb, you know, Zeke Elliott, all of these guys. And maybe Zeke Elliott's washed. I kind of think that he is. And, or maybe, you know, Dak Prescott stays healthy and that turns into maybe a bigger year for Zeke Elliott. But he was sort of out of the mix uh, once that injury happened. And, 
and, and plus once the defense, you know, showed themselves to be terrible. Uh, but the good news is Derrick Henry is going to win the rushing title, except for the fact that, like, there's always a possibility somebody gets hurt. And so if you have the opportunity to cash out over at Bet365, for example, right now, there's the opportunity to cash out for essentially like 90 in the low 90s percent of what you would be winning if you just waited for the next three weeks, right? And so it kind of works out like they put the odds up at minus 1400, right? He's minus 1400 right there. And that's essentially a minus 1400 price that he does not get hurt because if he's, you know, even if he's healthy, he's got like a 200 yard lead at this point over Dalvin Cook. Even if he's healthy, he's going to get, what, you know, 30, 40, 50 yards at the absolute, like, if he somehow gets stuffed for the next three games. Which of course, he's not. So the only way, way he loses this is if he gets hurt. And the problem is, if he gets hurt, it's going to be trouble, right? Like, he's going to probably get past. There's actually a possibility that he still doesn't get past, of course. And so you're now sitting there if you have this cash out option. If you don't, just sit there, ride it out, hope he doesn't get hurt, and you're going to end up winning the bet. And that's awesome. But if you have a cash out option and you're only sort of left with, you know, whatever your bet is, like say there's, you know, they've asked you to cash out. If you want to cash out and there's only, you know, $20 left in the bet, right? Like, you know, say you've, you could win 280 by cashing out right now and there's 300 to possibly win. It's like, yeah, kind of rather just cash that out, right? And avoid a potential bad beat here, especially the way things have been going over the last couple of weeks. Like that would really suck that like Derrick Henry like tears his ACL in this stupid game against Detroit or something. And now you're sweating out Dalvin Cook and how many yards he gets the rest of the way. And who knows what goes on in week 17. And maybe they're trying to just go out of their way to get him the rushing title. Like <laughs> I know that's sort of a bleak picture, but like these are the things you have to sort of be aware of. And so if it's not... If the rest of that money, right, the difference between cashing out and keeping it going isn't all that great, I think you probably just cash out and use that money because we got a lot of stuff we can bet on here. You can use that money over the next couple of weeks. Now, again, that depends on sort of how much money's already in your account and all of that kind of thing, right? So, you know, whether or not you have this situation for Derrick Henry or somebody else, like these are the things that you have to worry about, right? Whether it's, you know, you've bet on somebody to win an award or again, some sort of, you know, prop, doesn't even have to be football, could be basketball. These are the things that you sort of have to do the mental math on, especially if they're offering you cash outs here, right? Because they're trying to save a couple of bucks and frankly, like, if it doesn't make that much difference to you to not be without that 20, that extra 40, that extra 60 bucks, you might as well just kind of cash it out, offering a pretty good price for what should be a fait accompli, but it's football, right? So you just never know. Um, passing. We are on Aaron Rodgers. Um, bad news is Patrick Mahomes still exists. And... <laughs> he's got quite a significant lead over Rodgers. So right now, we're sort of in the opposite position where we need Patrick Mahomes to miss a game. Now, you know, first thing you think about there is we need Patrick Mahomes to get hurt. Well, I don't really want that to necessarily happen, right? Like in the same way that I'd like to think if you didn't have Derrick Henry, you wouldn't be hoping that he sits there and gets hurt. Thing is, Kansas City could opt to sit him out in the final game. Right? Like if they clinch the first, the top seed, it doesn't really make a ton of sense. Now listen, Andy Reid, he's always up to no good here. You know, I, I can't remember necessarily if last season, I probably should have done this, but you know, whether it was last season or the two, or seasons before with Patrick Mahomes, he hasn't sat him for the final game. But if you remember three seasons ago with Alex Smith as the quarterback, they had the last game wrapped up 
and they put in Patrick Mahomes in the game against Denver. And we saw the first flashes of Patrick Mahomes, which led to me drafting him in fantasy the next year. No big deal. Um, and then, of course, he wins the MVP the very next year. And so maybe it is one of those situations where they just go, yeah, okay, we don't need to you know, see anything more from Patrick Mahomes. Why would we risk it in a game? Now, the problem is they have to have that game clinched. And I'm not sure about the tiebreakers necessarily, but they're a game ahead of Pittsburgh right now. You know, one loss versus two loss. So we technically need another Pittsburgh loss to come down the pipe. That's not necessarily going to happen here. Problem is, I'm also a little bit skeptical here of this Kansas City line at minus three against the Saints. You know, obviously, just from a probability standpoint, based on the money line, there's an outside chance or actually a relatively good chance that the Saints win this game, again, based on the money line. So then that, of course, complicates things a little bit more. So we have to just kind of sit back, watch this week, see where that goes, and then hope the Colts in week 16 end up beating the Steelers so that the Chiefs don't have to play anybody, you know, from a star perspective uh, in that final game. And then maybe Aaron Rodgers can come back. Now, another interesting matchup element to it is like, okay, he's like 400 yards behind Patrick Mahomes. He's going to have to make up 400 yards. He's not. He's going to need more than just one game to do that. And so this weekend, he's going up against Carolina's defense, right? Which made Drew Locke look like Aaron Rodgers last week. So who knows, right? Might be a ton of yards there. And again, if we think the Saints defense can hang around and, you know, slow Mahomes down here a little bit, maybe we get a little, uh, you know, 350 for the Packers and maybe a 225 for the Chiefs from a passing yard standpoint, something along those lines. You know, I don't know. So again, we got to see on that. So if you've got Rod, point is if you got Rogers tickets there, you know, we're obviously hoping he kills it. He's got, you know, uh, Deshaun Watson is just ahead of him, but obviously from a pace standpoint, you don't expect Deshaun Watson to do much the rest of the way with the limited amount of receivers that he has. So he's going to pass Watson. He's going to probably be in second place here, especially after dealing with Carolina this week. And then it's just a matter of does Patrick Mahomes play? And then that turns into a potentially interesting week 17. And you're sitting there, you've got him at plus 800. You got him at plus 2,500. You can even bet it right now if you wanted to get in on this nonsense at 28 to 1. And again, you're hoping on a couple of different things happening here. And that's what's sort of the point of it being parlayed together. But I'm sure the odds, if you parlayed, you know, uh, Chiefs win this weekend, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers over receiving yards, uh, Patrick Mahomes under his receiving yards, just to sort of like a general idea. And then you get in, you know, Steelers win, though that doesn't really necessarily matter. And then you get into next week and you parlay that with a Colts win over the Steelers and a Chiefs win over the Falcons, right? Like that's what sets you up for that final day where then you now need Aaron Rodgers you know, first of all, you need the decision for Mahomes to sit, but you then need Aaron Rodgers to have a big game, but you're sitting there with 28 to one. So a bunch of different things have to happen and that's why it's 28 to one. But just the point is it is still out there. If you want to throw five bucks on it, like you might be in for some fun over the next couple of weeks, just to sort of see what happens. And then finally wide receivers and we're headed potentially for yet another bad beat here. And it's sort of hard you know, barring injury, and the injury sort of already happened here, but barring injury, it's kind of hard to claim bad beat in a uh, prop market, a season-long prop market, if you will. But we might have bet on the wide receiver with the most receiving yards this year, and he's not going to win the most receiving yards prop. And that's because Travis Kelsey, a tight end, for the first time ever, 
or potentially for the first time ever, leads the league in receiving yards at this point, right? Like Kelsey's on that board. He's available to be bet on. And you're sitting there and you're going, yeah, but it's a tight end, like shorter targets, like all of that sort of thing. And like, no, sure enough, he is clear right now. He is 104 ahead of Adams, who has a handful of guys in his way. The thing is, Adams has been going at 104 yards per game rate here this season. So one, you're thinking to yourself, well, wait a minute, Patrick Mahomes, we just talked about him sitting. Well, it'd be really nice if Travis Kelsey also sat in that week 17 game, right? So if Mahomes and Kelsey sits, now we're really talking from a double you know, yardage type standpoint here as we're rolling with our Packers guys. Uh, Adams has a couple of guys that he has to you know, get past. He's 36 behind Metcalf. Diggs, Hill, Hopkins are all between him and second place of Metcalf at 36 yards. But the thing is, like Metcalf only, quote unquote, averages 90 yards per game. Adams averages 104. Problem is, right, Adams missed two games, essentially, earlier this season. Actually kind of missed three games this season. And that's the pace, right? If this season was 20 games long, I guarantee you Adam, Devonta Adams would be leading the league, right? If he had played in all 16 games, I guarantee you he'd be leading the league. And that's where the bad beat comes in because it's like, we did get the best guy. He just happened to miss a couple games earlier on this season, but I'm not giving up on it yet because again, he's averaging 104, you know, Metcalf lately is averaging 90 and nobody else is even averaging even more than that. So he's averaging, you know, in theory, he can make up 15 yards on each one of these guys for the next three games. And that's 45 yards, so he's going to pass Metcalf with that pace, and he's going to pass all those guys if they stayed at the consistent pace. Obviously, there's no guarantee from that standpoint. Can he catch Kelsey? Well, no, not based on that pace, but again, he's a tight end. You never know. There might be a game. Maybe it's this weekend where the Saints go, you know who we shouldn't let beat us? Travis Kelsey. And they put a couple of guys on him. And, you know, he ends up with one of his games where sometimes it's five catches for 36 yards, right? Which is a perfectly reasonable, mortal tight end stat line. Well, that would be great because Devontae Adams, I think, is probably in for at least 104 this weekend against the Carolina Panthers defense here. So, you know, problem is with all of this stuff, like you can't hedge it, you know, whether, you know, I mean, you could hedge the, uh, you know, the Derrick Henry thing, but you can't really hedge any of these others because, you know, one, we're not in the best position. We're in sort of a cluster of, te- of players here. You know, and two, if you're going to hedge these sorts of futures, and again, this is a bigger picture thing. This is less specific to, you know, these games and these props or even this sport. If you're a hedger, right? If you're a guy who wants to hedge something, if you're betting something, you know, 25 to one, even 10 to one, whatever, and you know that you're going to want to hedge because you know yourself, right? Self-awareness, we always talk about kind of knowing, you know, what your biases are and some people's biases are towards hedging. If you're going to do that, you have to put a little bit of more, a little, a little bit of more, a little bit more money up front because you want to give, if you know you're going to give yourself that opportunity to hedge or you're going to take that opportunity to hedge, you have to give yourself a little more wiggle room. And so that's just a little bit of a lesson there in that if you're thinking, oh, 10 bucks at 50 to one, like, oh, it puts me at five, you know, $500 win. Yeah, but I am going to hedge it. So maybe I throw another two on there so that it's 600 because I know I'm going to want to hedge with 100 or 150 or 200 later to secure some sort of a profit there in the, you know, 100, 200, 300 type range, right? Obviously different cases for different people. Some people aren't all that into it. Anyway, so that's it um, with regards to this show. Uh, again, 
Subscribe, rate, and review the podcast, and share the podcast, please. Uh, you can follow along at Emrus Authentic for all the nonsense that goes on there, various live betting and props bets as well. Until next time, I'll see you at the window.